0: Hey y'all, my name is Nathan and welcome to the second episode of Stories with a Twang. Now for this week's episode, I'm going to read another story from Katherine Tucker Wyndham, and then I'm also going to share with y'all one of my own personal experiences. This week's story is called The Hole That Will Not Stay Filled. Nobody has ever actually seen the ghost of Bill Skeeto. But people going along the road from Newton near where the old bridge crossed the Chocohatchee River can tell that the ghost has been there. Invariably, the hole under the tree where Skeeto was hanged is clean, as clean as if a brush broom or a pine top had swept it out. Even if the hole is heaped high with dirt every day, the dirt disappears during the night and the next morning the hole is there again. Bill Skeeto, whose ghost apparently keeps the hole cleaned out, was born in Madrid, Spain on June 8, 1818. When he was a little lad, he came with his father to Dale County and settled near Newton, a small town in the Wiregrass section of Alabama. There were not many Spaniards in that part of the country, and some people were suspicious of foreigners. But, Bill was a good boy who won the respect of his neighbors, and when he grew up he became a Methodist minister. After he entered the ministry, Skeeto became known as the Bible-reading preacher from Spain, and he was invited to preach at churches throughout the area. He was made pastor of a log cabin Methodist church at Newton, and he was a kind pastor as well as a powerful preacher. It was while he was preaching at Newton that he met and married an attractive girl and they built a home in the community. Now when the Civil War began in 1861, Skeeto was one of the first men from his country to join the Confederate Army. He fought bravely for three years, being in the thick of many battles, and miraculously escaped serious injury. Then in the fall of 1864, he received a message that his wife was very sick. Having come from a country so far away from Alabama, Skeeto had no relatives to turn to for help. His wife, did not have any close relatives either, at least not any whom Skeeto felt he could ask to stay with her in Newton to nurse her. Skeeto decided that the only thing he could do was to hire a substitute to take his place in the army so that he could go home to take care of his wife. It was not at all unusual for Confederate soldiers to pay other men to fight in their place during times of personal emergencies. The asking price for substitutes was about $1,000, a lot of money for a rural Methodist preacher turned soldier, but Skeeto somehow managed to scrape up the needed cash. As soon as his substitute reported for duty, Skeeto jumped on his horse and headed for Newton, making the trip back home in near record time. His wife was so glad to see her husband and so relieved to have him at home that she began to improve immediately. However, her long illness had left her weak and frail and Skeeto felt that he had to stay with her until she regained her strength. The threat of defeat hung heavily over the South in 1864 and the Confederacy was in desperate need of every soldier it could get. Now, under these circumstances, Skeeto's prolonged stay at home began to arouse some resentment and suspicion. A few of his neighbors, who knew Skeeto was a foreigner, began to wonder if he might not be a traitor as well. At Newton, there were a number of men who had organized themselves to round up and punish deserters. They called themselves Captain Brer's Home Guard. There were some accusations that the guard had been organized for the purpose of keeping its members safe at home while other men were away fighting for the south, but defenders of the unit said its members really were too old and too infirm to serve in the military forces and that they performed a commendable service for the confederacy. Be that as it may, the guard heard that Skeeto's return from the army. Jumped to the conclusion that he was a traitor and laid plans to ambush him and give him a deserter's punishment. And on the evening of December 3, 1864, members of the Home Guard gathered at the foot of the bridge on the west side of the Choctahatchee River to waylay their victim. When Skeeto appeared, two men engaged him in conversation, an apparent gesture of friendship to which Skeeto responded gratefully. He answered their questions about his wife's health and even showed them the medicine he had gone to town to purchase for her. As they talked, the other men who had been hiding in a thicket of huckleberry bushes crept up behind Skeeto and slipped a noose of new rope around his neck. Skeeto was a big strong man, but he was treacherously surprised. Although he struggled valiantly to escape, it was to no purpose. His arms were pinned to his back by a tight cord, and his feet were tied together. Then his captors shoved him to the ground and took turns kicking him as they forced him to try to crawl in the deep sand. Tiring of his sport and wishing to get on with the punishment they had planned, the members of the military court threw Skeeto into a buggy and maneuvered the vehicle to a spot underneath a stout limb jutting out from the south side of a big post oak tree. This was to be Skeeto's hanging tree. At this time, Wesley Dowling, who knew and admired Skeeto, came down the road. When he saw what was happening, he stopped and began to beg the home guard to give their captive a fair trial. Instead of accepting this plea, one of the men gave Wesley a hard cuff and threatened to hang him too if he interfered further. Alarmed lest other passers-by should see what they were up to, the men and the guard hastened their preparation for Skeeto's hanging. They threw the rope over the limb and then asked Skeeto if he had any last words. He replied that he would like to pray. This answer made the men a little uneasy, but how could they refuse to let a man have a final prayer, particularly if the man were a preacher? So they granted his request. Instead of praying for himself as they had expected, Skeeto prayed for his tormentors. Forgive them, Lord, dear Lord, forgive them he prayed this prayer so infuriated the home guard that even before the doomed man had finished praying captain Breer gave a sharp lash of his whip to the rump of the red horse hitched to the buggy the frightened animal plunged forward jerking Skeeto out of the buggy Skeeto's neck should have been broken but in making their hurried plans for the hanging the home guard members had not allowed for their victim's height and size Skeeto was tall and his frame was not spare So, the limb to which the rope was tied bent under Skeeto's weight, and his toes touched the ground. Quickly, George Eccles, a crippled man, grabbed his crutch and used it to dig a hole in the sandy soil right under Skeeto's feet, so that his toes could not touch the ground and his body would swing from the rope. The noose tightened and did its deadly work. News of what was happening near the bridge reached Newton too late for friends to save the minister's life, but several men, among them Josh Morris, Dave Young, Bill Ard, and James W. Judah, went to the spot, took Skeeto's body down from the tree, and laid it out in a cotton house across the road. He was later buried in the graveyard at Mount Carmel Church, where his tombstone may be seen today. But the story of Bill Skeeto did not end with his burial. The six men who had hanged Skeeto were never able to sleep peacefully at night, and not one of them would ever walk alone outside after dark. Though they locked their doors and barred their windows, they were tormented by a nameless dread and fear, and each one in his turn met a violent death. One was killed on horseback when a limb from a post oak tree, the same kind of tree on which Skeeto was hung, fell on him. It was a still day, not a breath of wind stirring, but the heavy limb fell just as the rider passed beneath the tree. Another member of the lynch party was killed when thrown from a runaway mule that unaccountably took fright on a quiet, open stretch of road. A third member of the group was struck by lightning, and one was found dead in a deep swamp. The other two also met their deaths in mysterious ways. Almost immediately after the hanging, curious people began visiting the site of the tragedy. As time went by, they observed that the hole dug by the crutch did not fill up as an ordinary hole would, and there were whispers that Skeeto's ghost was returning to the spot to keep the hole clean. Some years later, two men who were part of a crew building a new bridge over the river, decided to camp on the spot where Skeeto had died. Now, they did not believe in ghosts, so they filled up the hole, pitched their tent over it, and the braver of the two men put his bedroll directly over the freshly filled hole. They spent a fairly comfortable night. Next morning when they broke camp, the braver man picked up his bedroll and found to his amazement that the hole was there again, although he had filled it up himself and had lain on it all night long. The hanging oak is not there anymore, but the hole is. It is about 30 inches wide at the top and slopes to a depth of about 8 inches. Three young pines now grow close to the hole, but even their needles do not remain in it. Something sweeps them away, leaving the hole as clean and as empty as it was the day an innocent man was hanged there. So for my story, I would like to start with one that I would like to call The Screams in the Woods. As a child, I would take long walks through my family's fields and pastures, accompanying me on these walks would be my pets. On this particular walk, our dog Sheila was with me. She was a tall and lanky Australian Blue Heeler full of energy. We had been walking for a while and she was just as energetic and playful as usual. We get to the top of a tall hill in one of our pastures. I sit down on the thick grass to rest a bit and enjoy the crisp spring breeze. Sheila must have been a little tired because she soon plopped down right beside me. Where we were, there was a fence and a forest behind that barbed wire fence. I was always told that the land beyond the barbed wire fence belonged to the paper mill, so I had never really thought much about what lay on the other side of the thick tree line. Now, as a child, one of my aunts introduced me to The Legend of Boggy Creek, which is a campy, low-budget film from the 70s all about Bigfoot. In that movie, there are several times where they play the sound of what is supposed to be Bigfoot. So I'll never forget that sound. But since it's so distinctive, I definitely know what it sounds like. So that day on the hill, while taking a little break, all was calm. All of a sudden, a sound tore through the woods behind that barbed wire fence. It sounded just like the yell was from the movie. It was loud, so loud in fact that the ground under Sheila and I rumbled. The yell could not have lasted more than a few seconds, but in that time, I sat stunned and looked at Sheila. She looked terrified, and she was shaking. Nothing ever scared this dog, especially considering she chased after cows from my family's farm, but at this moment, she was terrified. After looking at one another, we took off down the hill and headed home. Anytime I was close to that hill after that, I could not help thinking about the time my dog and I might have heard Bigfoot. Alright everyone, so that is going to be all from me this week. I hope you really enjoyed the story, and also I do have another personal story, but I kind of want to save it for a future episode so I don't give everything away just yet. I am working on social media for the podcast, so I'll definitely have Instagram at least. I'm not too fond of Facebook, but we'll see what happens. You can submit any stories to twang at gmail.com. You can find Stories with a Twang anywhere you find podcasts, except for Apple Music, but I am working on it right now, so hopefully it'll be there any day now. I will see you all next Monday for some more amazing stories by Katherine tucker Wyndham and hopefully some stories from my listeners. I hope you all have an amazing week, and I'll see you again next time.